Hi, everyone, and welcome to the State of State Schools podcast. I'm your host, John Stamper, Christian author, former homeschooler, and former public school teacher. Once a week, I'll give a quick recap of the most important headlines in education and pull back the curtain on what's really happening in our kids' schools. If you're a teacher, parent, or homeschool family, this podcast is for you. Thanks for listening, and let's get started. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode number nine. We have seven headlines to get to, all coming from the week of February 27th. So let's get started. Headline number one is an update on a story I've covered in previous episodes. It's from the Daily Caller. The Virginia Senate voted against a bill known as Sage's Law, which would have required schools to notify parents if their child is transgender at school. The bill was voted nine to six along party lines with all Democrats opposing and all Republicans supporting. So if you want to know the details of the story, you can listen to previous episodes or just Google Sage's Law. So what this means in Virginia is that a child can assume a transgender identity at school and the adults at school, the teachers, counselors, principals, they have no obligation to involve the parents. They can keep this information a secret from the parents. The main defense for this secrecy policy is that notifying the parents can out the child prematurely and parents will likely harm the child through physical abuse, kicking them out of the house or emotionally abusing the child by not affirming their transgender identity. I taught for 13 years, so I understand there's protocol for when a teacher or adult at school sees evidence of a child being physically abused at home. This does happen. The problem is that some people are claiming that not affirming a child's transgender identity is emotional abuse, placing it in the same category as physical abuse. But these two are not the same. We should all have compassion for those who are confused about their gender or have gender dysphoria, but it's not compassionate. It's not responsible. It's not moral to reinforce someone's confusion or to affirm something that is not true. That's called lying. I heard Ken Ham say recently that children are not miniature adults and we shouldn't be treating them like they're miniature adults. My personal take on all this is like it's a form of kidnapping. Parents raise a child, drop them off at school, and then the school completely captures their mind, confuses them with gender ideology, and totally removes the parents from the whole process. Parents have no right to know about it. So the takeaway for Virginia parents is that the state, the local government, the local school district, they all presume parents to be abusive, considering themselves to be better caretakers for your children. So if you're sending your children to public schools in Virginia, you're essentially playing Russian roulette with your child's values and their future. Headline number two, another update on a story I've been covering from WNDU. Indiana House Bill 1608 passed the House last week and now moves on to the Senate. If the bill passes the Senate, it would accomplish the following. Public schools would be required to tell parents if a student changes their gender identity or preferred name. So kind of the opposite of what just happened in Virginia. It would also prohibit schools from disciplining teachers or staff who use, quote, a name, pronoun, title, or other word to identify a student 
that is consistent with the student's legal name, end quote. So teachers cannot be punished for not using preferred pronouns or not using transgender names. Finally, teaching sex ed to kindergarten through third graders would be banned. That includes both LGBTQ and heterosexual education. I taught for 13 years. I've been in education for 15 years. I have a master's degree, but there's no teaching degree, no teaching title or years of experience that supersedes the role and rights of parents. Finally, this bill takes away two things from teachers. It takes away their ability to have intimate and often sexual secrets with children. And two, it takes away their ability to exclude, deceive, or lie to parents about it. That's all it takes away from teachers. So the argument of, well, you know, the parents won't affirm the child. Well, that's not your call as the teacher. That's not your choice to make. You know why? Because you didn't give birth to or raise that child. You're not their parent. And don't forget, teachers can still use preferred pronouns with trans students if they want. Nobody's saying they can't use preferred pronouns. This is about protecting children and protecting parental rights and protecting teachers from being forced to violate their own conscience and adopt one particular belief system. Headline number three comes from the Wall Street Journal. More and more high schools are getting rid of honors classes to increase racial equity. Culver City High School in Los Angeles is the most recent school to remove its honors classes, claiming that black and Latino students are underrepresented in AP courses, advanced placement courses. One parent spoke out against removing honors classes saying, quote, we really feel equity means offering opportunities to students of diverse backgrounds, not taking away opportunities for advanced education and study, end quote. One teacher who supports the removal of honors classes said the classes perpetuate inequality and that eliminating them is a quote unquote moral imperative. Other school districts in California, Wisconsin, and Rhode Island have either removed honors classes or modified how students can receive credit for honors classes. For example, the school district in Madison, Wisconsin, removed its honors classes and instead gives students honors credit just by taking the general classes, literally lowering achievement standards in the name of equity. So students are just getting the credit, getting the title of an honors class, without doing the actual work of an honors class. You know, what a terrible message to send the kids. First of all, eliminating honors classes is a picture of a socialist or communist society where everyone has equality of outcomes. Never mind the fact that the outcome is poverty and oppression. Second, eliminating honors or AP courses not only lowers achievement standards, but it negatively affects a student's GPA. So if a college or internship is considering multiple candidates and one candidate took honors classes and has a higher GPA, while the other candidate did not take honors classes and has a lower GPA, who do you think is gonna get hired or get accepted? Finally, the quote unquote equity movement, AKA eliminating honors classes, it's an insult to students because it's telling them they cannot achieve because of the color of their skin. It tells them that their hard work will not yield enough results, that they're not smart enough. They simply can't do it. So here, let us give you some equity. 
You know, who do you think you are giving away equity like that or thinking you can do that? You know, get off your high horse is what I say. How about a little encouragement? Teachers, coaches, parents, if you challenge kids to reach a higher mark and help them and encourage them along the way, they can reach it. You don't just take the goal away and say, hey, congrats, you made it. Everyone gets a trophy. You know, I'm reminded of the movie Remember the Titans, right? Denzel Washington's character said, you're not doing these kids a favor by patronizing them. You're crippling them. You're crippling them for life. Headline number four comes from Fox News. An Arizona school board made a motion to end its contract with a Christian university amid concerns over the university's quote-unquote commitment to Jesus Christ. The Washington Elementary School District in the Phoenix area had a contract for five years with Arizona Christian University where student teachers would be placed in their schools for field experience, and it would also create recruitment opportunities. This is something I did myself when I was in college. Every teacher completes field experience. Last week, however, the school board made a motion to end the contract after multiple board members expressed concerns about the university's Christian beliefs. One board member who describes herself as a, quote, bilingual, disabled, neurodivergent, queer black Latina, who loves a good hot wing and things that sparkle, she said she was disheartened to learn of the contract, adding, quote, my concern is they are committed to Jesus Christ, accomplishing his will and advancements on earth as in heaven. Part of their values is to transform the culture with truth by promoting biblically informed values that are foundational to Western civilization, including the centrality of family, traditional sexual morality, and lifelong marriage between one man and one woman, end quote. Here are the concerns. <laughs> Transforming culture with truth, promoting family, promoting sexual morality, and lifelong marriage between a man and a woman. Yeah, that sounds like mainstream Christianity. And there was no record of these student teachers actually preaching in the classrooms or Bible-beating students. The board members are simply opposing biblical Christianity. The board member added that the contract with the Christian University, quote, directly brings impact to three of your board members who are part of the LGBT community. At some point, we need to get real with ourselves and take a look at who we're making legal contracts with, because that makes me feel like I cannot be safe in this school district, end quote. So it's got nothing to do with the students. It's the adult board members who don't feel safe around the Christians. And if you think I'm being a little unfair, I address this very issue in my book when I discuss the teacher training I had to complete on intersecting identities. In that teacher training, Christians were labeled as quote unquote emotionally abusive and using their status against non-Christians and non-English speakers. So I'm not making this stuff up. Headline number five comes from Breitbart. The 2022 Youth Risk Behavior Survey was recently published showing that LGBTQ high schoolers experience suicidal thoughts, feelings of hopelessness and sadness, and substance abuse at much higher rates than their heterosexual peers. The annual survey asks participants to identify with one of two categories for sexual identity, either heterosexual or LGBTQ+. So here are some statistics taken from the survey. The numbers are sad and concerning all around. 
um, 69% of LGBTQ students experienced feelings of hopelessness or sadness over the last year compared to 35% of their heterosexual peers, 69 to 35. 45% of LGBTQ students seriously considered suicide in the last year compared to 15% of their heterosexual peers, so 45 to 15. 37% of LGBTQ students created a suicide plan, 37% in the last year compared to 12% of their heterosexual peers. 22% of LGBTQ students claim to have attempted suicide in the last year. 22% claim to have attempted suicide in the last year compared to 6% of their heterosexual peers. So, the survey's summary stated that almost all of the results have gotten worse over the last year. Just consider the number of students who've attempted suicide in the last year. 22% of LGBTQ students and 6% of heterosexual students. Recent data shows that nearly 20% of Gen Z identifies as LGBTQ. 20%. So here's a hypothetical situation. In a high school of 1,000 students, that means about 9% of the student population, or one out of 11, has attempted suicide in the last year. So if you're a high school teacher and you have, say, around 30 students in class, you can assume from this data that two or three of your students in that classroom have tried to commit suicide in the last year. Of course, there would be discrepancies all over the country, higher, lower, but... What a heartbreaking and terrifying thought. This generation desperately needs love, guidance, instruction, peace of mind. It can't be stated enough just how important parents are in a child's life. So I'll just leave with this scripture from Isaiah 26 and 3. It says, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. End quote. And that's a promise from God. Headline number six comes from the Daily Wire. In Maine, an 11-year-old student addressed his school board and read aloud from a book he got from the school's library. Some of you may have seen this video on social media. The book describes two boys drinking alcohol they stole from their parents and engaging in graphic homosexual behavior. The book titled Nick and Charlie is intended for ages 14 and up, but the school's librarian allowed the 11-year-old middle schooler to check it out. The book was featured on a book stand and the librarian even asked the boy if he wanted more or even a graphic version of this book. The boy's father also spoke at the board meeting stating, quote, you may think the schools know what's best for our children. You know who knows what's best for our children? The parents, end quote. So this is what I mean when I say parents should have the final say on when, where, and how topics like sex are discussed. There's no academic value to a book like this. It's purely sexual fantasy and sexual perversion, but it's still in the middle school library. So I'll just pose a few questions to parents who have kids in the public or private schools right now. First of all, do you know for certain what books are available in your kid's school library? If not, how could you find out? Is there a way you could personally screen books before they're placed in the school library? And would the school even allow you to do that? So if you care about protecting your kids from sexually inappropriate materials like this and you cannot homeschool, 
then my encouragement to you is to go to your school board or your school's principal and work on creating a parent group that is able to visit the library and flag inappropriate books like this. And this would also take a lot of pressure off of librarians too and school staff because then they wouldn't be the scapegoat in stories like this. So it's important to protect children and not heap confusion on them. Luke 17 and two says, quote, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea than that he should offend one of these little ones, end quote. Headline number seven, our final headline for the day comes from the Daily Wire. The girls' high school basketball team at Mid-Vermont Christian School chose to forfeit its game and withdraw from the state basketball tournament because their opponent has a biological male on the girls' roster. The head of school for Mid-Vermont Christian stated, quote, we believe playing against an opponent with a biological male jeopardizes the fairness of the game and safety of our players. Allowing biological males to participate in women's sports sets a bad precedent for the future of women's sports in general, end quote. A spokesperson for the Vermont Principals Association responded to the situation by saying, quote, we just supported our stance and our best practices through our inclusivity statement, end quote. Apparently, Vermont has an inclusivity statement that allows trans athletes to play on sports teams based on their trans identity and not based on their biological sex. It's yet another example of the feelings and comfort of one trans student outweighing the feelings and comfort of dozens of non-trans students. For starters, I think Mid-Vermont Christian Schools team did the right thing by refusing to play. I coached varsity sports for 13 years, but I was never confronted with the transgender issue, so I can appreciate the team and coaches making such a difficult decision. But taking a biblically sound stance sets a great example, not just for the girls on that team, but for the opposing team as well. People may not like it or agree with it, but they'll remember why the team made that stance. And that plants a seed that can grow in time. All right, everybody, that's all I have for you this week. Um, have a good weekend. We'll see you next time.